welcome to Brand Your Passion, the show that helps you turn the thing you love the most into something that people know and love you for. I'm your host, Holly Arnett, the brand coach for creatives, and I'm on a mission to make the world a more creative place, one brand at a time. If you're ready to get more eyes on your work, more dollars in your pocket, and more creativity in your life, you're in the right place. Welcome, let's brand your passion. Welcome back to this week's episode of Brand Your Passion. I'm super excited to be joined by the wonderful Pepper Raccoon this week. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to the people and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Sure. Um, I'm Pepper Raccoon and I'm an artist and illustrator. Uh, I run my own online store where I sell merch and my art prints. I also stream my art on Twitch and I also run a commercial consultancy for doing illustration. Amazing. Just a few things. Yeah, just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple. Um, so you obviously are like a creative. It's like everything that you are and what you do. Um, but do you want to tell us a bit about like your journey to where you are now? Yeah. Like, were you creative as a kid? How did you kind of get to here? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know when the pivotal moment where I was like, I'm going to be doing this forever happened. Um, but I drew a lot as a kid. And then like fifth grade, me and my friends would all draw together and we would draw like copycat stuff. So we would like copy anime and like we draw the same things. And I kind of got into that. And then as I kind of went through middle school, I realized I was kind of the weird kid and I didn't really know why. Uh, and it turns out that um, I just have a really different way of thinking about stuff, mostly because I have a weird neurodivergent brain. Um, but yeah, I got to high school and I realized that normal careers probably weren't my vibe um, and that I really liked to do art. Um, and my parents were nice enough to help me go to a couple of pre-college art programs at some universities that really helped me realize that uh, art could be a career. Uh, and that's kind of where I got started. Amazing. I feel like there are so many creatives who like felt like the weird kid, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's how we identified in school. We were like that weird person kind of illustrating or drawing weird shit in the corner. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone about how so many creatives started like making magazines or like zines. Oh, and totally. that was like one of their first things that they did. And I thought that was just something me and my friend did. And I've heard so many other creatives be like, no, I drew this magazine when I was a kid in school. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds accurate. Um, okay, and so you did kind of the pre-college art stuff. Yeah. And then tell me about you went to, like, went to college for art, right? Yeah, so I went to CalArts uh, yeah. for university in Los Angeles. Um, and coming out of high school, uh, we didn't have gap years or anything like that. That's not really a thing in the States. So I had to choose kind of quickly, like, what I wanted to do. And I went to a very university-focused high school. So it felt very pressured. Um, and so I made the choice to go to CalArts because it was prestigious. And while I don't regret that decision, um, I was offered a scholarship to another school that I kind of wish I had gone to, um, which was much more craft-focused and, like, focused on technique and learning how to draw and all that kind of stuff, whereas CalArts kind of assumed you already know how to do that and didn't value it as highly. Um, and so I ended up learning a lot more about conceptual thinking, which ended up being really useful and great. But um, yeah, if I could do it all again, I probably would have gone to the craft-based school that was cheaper. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many people like 
some people don't even know what they want to do for college and then have to pick something random yeah. <laughs> to pick something. But um, yeah, even picking, even and, when you know what you want to do, picking the right college to know or university or whatever you yeah. do is um, hard. <laughs> I'm glad I at least picked the right major. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if not the right school necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Um, and so how long were you at CalArts for? I was there for four years and yeah. it kind of hit me in my second year that like it was a weird place for me. <laughs> I was like, huh. Um, yeah, I'm actively fighting everything that the school teaches. Cool. Um, but I actually really enjoyed being there and had a great time. Um, yeah. yeah. So I was at CalArts for four years and then I graduated and uh, I did a year at an artist residency in San Francisco. Uh, and then I moved to New Zealand, which is where I was born. So I have dual citizenship and it seemed like the natural move because I love this place. Yeah. So, yeah. And you are now in like the creative capital is what they call Wellington. Hell so, yeah. yeah. Let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, we're on a mission to keep it that way. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. And so you were doing like art and stuff at college. So wh- how did you get into like doing the illustration that you're doing now? Um, so that is a funny story. So when I was in fifth grade, I sold bandanas. So I made and sold fabric bandanas because they were really popular at the time. I think Britney Spears wore one or something, (laughs) but everyone wanted a freaking bandana and I made them, uh, I hand sewed them with my mom and then I sold them at school. And so I got in trouble because I made one bandana that wasn't of the same quality as all the other ones. And I realized that sometimes you have to refund people's money and all of that kind of experience made me realize that I actually really like making high quality stuff products and selling them to people on top of my art so um I started life in uh, or a career in UX design um because that's kind of well I did a bunch of odd jobs um and then eventually I managed to land a job as a junior designer uh and I realized that I didn't like working in an office uh I tried to get a job somewhere else uh that fell through when I had already given notice at my old job and so I ended up kind of just holding the short end of the stick and was like cool I have to freelance now so uh because I can't trust anybody to like actually give me a job apparently so yeah I just went into like this whole like you know what I'll just do it myself um so I did that but I noticed that enamel pins were coming up and I saw that Jem Yoshioka uh, who's another Wellington artist uh, was making one and I was like hey tell me how it goes and I bought one of hers and then a whole bunch of people were like oh yeah it's cool it's a viable thing we can do here in New Zealand so a bunch of us started making pins and I made a nasty woman pin during the Trump Hillary election and that went viral um, so that went to the Huffington Post and BuzzFeed collections and a whole bunch of other uh, websites had uh, like basically nasty woman collections of stuff and my pin was one of the first things that popped up so um, that kind of launched my product based thing so I really wanted to make good quality stuff that I could sell just like those bandanas when I was in fifth grade um, in order to fund my art practice because while doing commercial art is fun um, and I do enjoy it and don't ever want to give it up entirely I'm really driven by exploring my like fine art kind of inclinations and the way to fund that for me is mostly through product So I can take those fine art things, turn them into products, and then people can afford them, um, which is great because fine art is quite expensive. Um, And that can help me kind of cut out more time from my daily kind of that vibe to make things. So, yeah. 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 dream. I love that you, you know, there's this kind of fantasy or this romantic notion that you sort of like 
start your business with like all this money saved up and like ready to go and like you know but actually no. often it just comes out of like freaking necessity i was like in, i was like in tears yeah. like in a closet crying yeah. because i had gotten dumped from this new job that i was supposed to have already basically gotten yeah and yeah i was at my old job just like sobbing and i was like you know what fuck it (laughs) now is the time yeah exactly i was like i can't rely on anyone else and that's not actually how i feel but at the moment i was like at that moment i was like i can't rely on anyone else i'm gonna do this myself and i've actually found that works a lot better for my brain so yeah yeah Yeah, totally i mean yeah my freelancing like well full-time freelancing was like pretty similar right it was like a shit situation yeah and i was like well fine yeah (laughs) i guess now is the time um but we you know i think it's a testament that we were both just like okay I'm gonna take this leap and say like let's give it a go yeah and um we've obviously made the most of it and yeah done a pretty good job it's going fine <laughs> yeah. yeah we are doing it yeah um okay so how um have you kind of felt well how did you feel I guess back then kind of turning a hobby into now your business So what I did was I kind of took my skills from my design job and bridged the gap with that. So I took what I knew about doing graphic design, like digital design and web design, and I kind of started freelancing with that. And I used that to fund and roll into doing illustration. And I kind of saw some of those clients fall away and I saw new clients kind of come in and it kind of, that actually bridged fairly smoothly. And then at some point, I was able to just take the graphic design portfolio off my website. And yeah, I don't actually enjoy doing web design that much. So it was great to just be like, bye. And uh, now I'm kind of going through another transition where I'm folding my commercial illustration business brand into my personal online store brand and making it one kind of portal for all of those things yeah which is just ideal yeah, yeah. amazing i mean it's so much more easy to manage than having like two or three yeah. different brands that you're trying to um get going exactly um so when you did start i guess you said you started with those design clients um yeah. where did you find those first clients um they weren't great clients uh they were kind of like random internet things that I found in a Facebook group of, like, New Zealand online startups. Um, I was moving up to a different part of New Zealand, so I looked for work up there and ended up doing some pretty pretty not great work <laughs> for a not great client. So there was, like, a bunch of that kind of learning that started of, like, picking up on which clients were the right ones for me, yeah. what red flags look like, etc. cetera. Um, and then what I started doing was, like, changing what I told people I did. So, Mm -hmm. like, at first I was like, oh, yes, I do web and UX. Okay. Now, you know, I do graphic design and illustration. And then I was like, okay, now I only do illustration. (laughs) And people just kind of went with it. Like, you feel like you're kind of faking it till you make it. But, like, I had the skills, so I wasn't telling anybody nothing. It was good stuff, but it was just, like, you can tell people you do whatever. As long (laughs) as you actually can back that up with your skills, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you can, like niche over time right like exactly. there are so many people who start freelancing and are like oh my god i need to figure out my niche like right from the beginning and yeah. i need to only do this certain type of work for the certain type of client but actually like you know that's like three or four steps down the line for you it right is. and it was the yeah. same for me like i'm now on my like fourth niche down if you want to call it that um so it's kind of good to know that you don't have to be like do it right from the beginning it's like a process right yeah my first brand was literally like i'm the swiss army knife of creativity right so i had a drawing of a swiss army knife with all the tools out and i had them each labeled as one of my like capabilities so i had like seven different 
areas that I was willing yeah. to work on. And that helped me survive the first year yeah. and a half, two years, um, while I kind of got everything else going. And I was terrified to go niche. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, everyone's going to drop me if I go too niche because it'll be too specific and no, 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 And what I've actually found is that the nicher I get, the happier I am, and the better the clients are that find me because we already vibe because yeah. they want what I do. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but, I mean, yeah, doing that kind of Swiss Army knife thing is great it when is. you're getting started. Yeah, right? I think it's necessary, honestly, yeah. being willing to kind of try stuff out. And sometimes you are really surprised by where you end up and what you learn and what you end up wanting to keep in your business. So, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, my business, when I started it, started in, like, hand lettering. Yeah. And now I'm here doing brand coaching and consulting. Yeah. I, just, I didn't know that that's what I loved until I did it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's certain things I used to do that I don't do anymore, and there's stuff I never thought I'd start doing that I've kept in my business, and I love it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. so definitely worth doing. So tell me a little bit about, like, that process of branding your business. So you said in the beginning you had that like Swiss army knife. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love that. Like analogy is awesome. Yeah. Um, so did you kind of do all of that yourself? Like how was that process? For you? Yeah, I've, I've always, and this is changing, um, especially cause I just have no time left, but I've always <laughs> been a go it alone kind of freelancer. And I was always like, I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to do my accounting, my admin, my everything by myself. Because I was just like, I can't afford to hire somebody. And if I hire somebody, then I'm spending money. And then I don't have that money for something else. Not factoring in that my time, very precious. Um, (laughs) But when I started the branding, uh, yeah, I did it myself. It was very hand-drawn. And I, I was trying to communicate that while I did design my main interest was actually in things that felt a bit handmade. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Um, and that was, bef- so that was pepper curry design and that yeah. was entirely commercial focused. And then out of that spun pepper raccoon, which had been my kind of like nickname for a long time. Um, but it really suits what I do. Um, so I kept it and l- used that to launch my online brand with my store. And so for a long time, those two things have kind of run parallel. Yeah. Um, and I did do all the branding for both of those myself. Uh, I did pretty much all the web design myself, everything like yeah. that. Uh, and then I eventually learned that it's good to hire people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um, definitely a process to figure that out. Like, yeah, I was yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm a creative. I know how to do all these things, so I might as well do them all, and it'll save me a bunch of money. Yeah. But then you spend, like, weeks designing a new website or like I'm, I'm still doing that yeah apparently yeah or there's like yeah all this stuff you're like I could be doing illustration right now or I, yeah you know, for me I'm like I could be doing other stuff no it's super um, true yeah. yeah but um I mean that's a necessary thing when you're first getting started right yeah it's like you kind of have to just do figure some stuff out on your own and then so there over time when you do have that cash that you can exactly um, invest in your business then it's then you can start making those investments and so you said you have started hiring people um, and working with people, and you worked with me yeah. on your branding, which was awesome. We had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about, like, what made you decide to work with a coach or, like, a yeah, a, a coach on your branding, because I'm sure, like, there are a lot of people listening. Obviously, I know why you, yeah. <laughs> and why you worked with me, but there are a lot of people listening who are maybe not sure if they need a coach or, like are deciding or that kind of thing um, or don't even know yeah if they need to hire anybody to help them with their brand so tell me yeah a little bit about what made you decide to do that um I think the main thing for me is that when you're 
in it, like when you're in the flow of your work and you're kind of deep in that headspace, you don't have the outside perspective that you need to kind of step away and find like the larger why and how and all those kinds of mission statement-y things that you need. And I was abundantly aware of that due to the fact that I did a ton of like business uh, communication kind of illustration work that was all around those topics for larger corporates. And I realized like as much as I don't want to be corporate. It's really important to have those things locked down and understand who you are and what you're doing, especially when part of your brand is you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I knew I had to do that kind of work, but I really needed a guide on that kind of path um, because I just couldn't get myself out of my own kind of little world that Mm -hmm. I had built. And yeah, I needed somebody to help me step outside of that and kind of look at all the pieces and put them together in a way that made sense to other people. Yeah. 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 It's good to have that kind of outside distant perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who's not living your day to day um, life and to kind of pull those things out of you. So that's awesome. And what was that process kind of like for you? And what's kind of changed since then? It was really good. Um, I did a little bit of the visual branding beforehand because um, the way that I learn is very visual. And so, and the way that I communicate is very visual. So I was like, ah, I have an image in my head of what I want to feel like, what I want my things to feel like. And so I made that. And then I just kind of showed that to you. (laughs) And I was like, I think that these signs are in this image, basically. And then we kind of sorted through what that meant and what that meant to me and and looked at kind of the integrity of what I do um, and figured out why that was so important. Um, and all of those things are really, really, like, life-affirming. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's it's really part of that journey that was important to me is kind of the fact that, like, as an artist, you your art is effective if it communicates who you are or your message to your audience, but that's not the whole picture when you run a business, even if, you know, it's really tempting to be like, oh, my art should just speak for itself. And, like, the reality of it is I don't think that's true in in today's economy um, <laughs> because, you know, on social media you have a second. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, your art will catch someone's eye, but, like, understanding how to describe why what you do is important is what gets you people to care about you and what you do. So, yeah, that whole journey kind of helped me understand that, like, sure, my art has impact, but also it's really important to tell people, like, I'm – eco-friendly like I don't I'm super sustainable I don't use much plastic at all you know I care about the environment I care about my customers um, I spend a lot of time thinking about the meaning and and value of what I put into my work and all of those things are really important for people to know and just looking at a picture that I've made doesn't tell them that yeah. and it's the same with like products so yeah yeah awesome so part of like your brand and the stuff that we talked about like it's not just about like you said the colors and the fonts and the visual stuff yeah it's about like what people know you for yeah and one of those things specifically for you that I feel like people know you heaps for is like your kind of style of illustration and the topics of the illustrations that you do yeah um how have you kind of grown that I guess like connotation that people have with you of doing this kind of like spooky nature inspired (laughs) stuff yeah that kind of grown so when I started um I did kind of a lot of and I think this is true for a lot of artists you're derivative without even realizing it like um even if you're not copying things um like for instance I was following the trend of enamel pins so I kind of designed enamel pins that looked like other people's enamel pins right And the art I was doing was inspired by a lot of Instagram and social media kind of stuff. So I was trying to kind of cater to topics that fit my audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also always been a nature artist. So there was always nature there. Um, But 
I didn't feel like that gave me much of an identity. So um, when I moved back to Wellington from Northland, I realized that I had kind of neglected a large chunk of who I was as a person for quite some time which is that I'm a bit goth. <laughs> um, yeah, Like, I'm real spooky. I've always been into death and the macabre and, like, just messing around with, like, strange images and occult stuff. And, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a dabbler, but I take it quite seriously. Um, and so I was like, well, why wouldn't I bring that into my art? I'm a huge, like, fan of traditional tattoo. Like, I'm a huge fan of all these kind of, like, dark artists. Like, it seems silly for me to just not have this. And so it's such a strong visual element. Um, that it's really helped me define my brand. Um, but also I've kind of tried to make it educational, which I think is part of what gets people to engage with it on a deeper level than just being like, oh, I like spooky stuff. Um, I have a lot of audience members who don't like spooky stuff, but are really interested in like death as a process. And like, I explore that a lot in my work. So there's kind of, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so you feel like better, I assume. Yeah. Now, like leaning into the stuff that you actually love. Yeah. I have infinite passion for it. My attention span is super short for things I'm not interested in. Um, I have ADHD most likely. And <laughs> yeah, if I have to draw stuff I don't care about, it's really hard to focus. So the more niche I've gotten and the more specific with my messaging and with my art that I've gotten, the more kind of time I can spend on something. So I've been working on the same series for two years, which is like unheard of for me. (laughs) I'm like one drawing and I'm done. And like, these are like drawings that take hundreds of hours and they all have similar subject matter and I still seem to be interested. So Mm -hmm. that's a really good sign. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and they're like beautiful and people love them. Like it's a win-win because you (laughs) love it, your audience loves it. They're magic. Do you know what else is magic? Henry, I don't know about you, but when I started freelancing, I did that because I love to create and I wanted to do that every day on the regular on my own terms. But what nobody told me is that I would have to spend a big chunk of that time that I want to spend creating, sending quotes, invoicing, bookkeeping, accounting and filing and paying my taxes, which is where the magic of Henry comes in. Henry pays and files all of your taxes for you so you never have to think about it again. Plus, Henry makes quoting, invoicing, payments and expenses so much easier so you can stay on top of all things financial. So if you are a freelancer or a contractor in New Zealand or Australia and like me, you want to spend more of your time creating and less time worrying about taxes, you have got to check out Henry. You can join Henry today. It takes less than one minute to sign up at henry.co and you can use the promo code PASSION, that's P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to get $50 off your Henry fees. Thank you so, so much to Henry for sponsoring this episode of Brand Your Passion. Let's get back to that episode. And so you talked a little bit about like your audience. We've mentioned them a few times. Um, And you, as well as like a couple of other people that we know, have primarily got your audience on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Which I find so interesting. Like I'm on Twitter also. Yeah. But um, a lot of artists and visual creatives obviously flock to Instagram, right? Yes flouted as the um the visual platform the platform for creatives that's where all the creatives are yeah um but i'm super like interested in your thoughts on like why twitter is a cool place to 
share your art right like we yeah we have a bunch of friends who are on twitter who are artists who do really well yeah um so tell me yeah tell me your thoughts about twitter why is it so good for artists um i think for me specifically i have to caveat it with the fact that new zealand twitter is especially good for artists um new zealanders are proud of their country and they want to support people from their country that are doing interesting things so that gives me a leg up but also i think in general, as an artist, the fact that basically your art breaks up an entire feed of chaos <laughs> is actually a really good thing. Because yeah. people are scrolling through going like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then they like see something cool and they're like, oh, that looks good. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. And I think the reshareability, like retweeting and the ability to retweet your own stuff, which I think every artist should do. Um, gives you a lot more visibility on the platform. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that the Instagram algorithm is heartbreakingly tough. <laughs> um, if you don't give them money, it's really hard to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of have neglected my Instagram. <laughs> I still put posts up every so often, yeah. but yeah, Twitter is easy. And also, I think Instagram is very visual, and that means people don't hear what you have to say sometimes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, they don't read your caption or, you know, whatever. They just tap like and move on. Mm-hmm. Whereas on Twitter, I just, I mean, I post on Twitter all the time anyway. So yeah. people feel like they really know me, and that personal connection is is a lot, I think, of what drives um, my audience to kind of support me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think, yeah, you're definitely right about, like, that breaking up the feed thing. You know, yeah. like, everyone's doom scrolling at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's like, and oh, pretty picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I started following so many illustrators on Twitter, and it made it so cool. Like, yeah. Like, it was really inspirational and, like, bright and, like, joyous <laughs> yeah. when I got on Twitter. So, it's yeah, you're totally right in that. I was also going to say that I think it's also quite um good to, like, not necessarily focus on like all the platforms oh, right no. like you're like oh, i've neglected my instagram but like yeah. that's fine yeah right? if twitter's your place that's where your community is and it's working yeah and you enjoy being there then like freaking focus on twitter like absolutely don't stress about having to be on instagram and facebook and like freaking everything <laughs> yeah i know there's so many blog posts and stuff online that are like you need to be on the top four you need to be on like facebook yeah. twitter instagram and pinterest and i'm just like I'm not going to go on Pinterest. Like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. It sounds exhausting. Yeah. It's it's the same as paying somebody to do something for you. It's like, okay, is this going to take time away from me or is it going to free up my time? And it's like, okay, Twitter makes it really easy to share stuff. So that's a win. Instagram, I have to like slog to figure out how to get people to see my posts. That's a lot tougher. So Yeah. yeah, put your time where it's easy. Yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. Um, and, yeah, so speaking of other platforms, you have recently started streaming on Twitch, yes. which is awesome. Um, people listening maybe know about Twitch and kind of think of it as a gaming platform, but there's actually, like, a massive community of creatives and artists. People there doing sure like are. Pottery and, like, wood carvings and so much cool stuff on Twitch, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about why you started streaming on Twitch and kind of how that process has been going. Um, so I got started during the lockdown last year, or I didn't get started during the lockdown, but I <laughs> we only had uh, basically a month lockdown in New Zealand, which we're very lucky about. But during that time, I was like, I am going to not maybe see a lot of work coming <laughs> my way for the next couple of months. And I kind of freaked out. Um, and it turned out not to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. But 
uh, I started thinking about different ways that I could share my art and um, my partners and my partner and I are both really into gaming and he was kind of like you should try Twitch for your art you should try Twitch and I was like no because I yeah I go on Twitch and like I can watch a stream for like 10 minutes and then I'm just kind of like okay on to the next one and I wanted that more long engagement with my audience um, but I basically once lockdown happened I was like actually this makes sense if we're going to be housebound like, this is one of the only ways to get my art out to the world. Yeah. And it lets me talk to people when I'm trapped in my house. So this <laughs> rules. Um, and I can entertain people who might be sad and bored. So it's a win-win-win. Um, so, yeah, I, I got set up in July of last year. So I'm at, like, nine months now. Um, and I had a pretty good first three or four months of streaming. I got featured on the Twitch ANZ Creative Showcase, which helped my numbers. Um, and I have quite a small but loyal uh, <laughs> audience that shows up to watch my streams and the best thing about it is I earn a little bit of income from doing it. I'm working on stuff I would be working on anyway. I'm connecting with my audience. And, you know, they're seeing me create a product. And then if they like the product, they can buy it when it's done. Yeah. So it's kind of like best time spent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, um, I think it's so... People love to see the process behind stuff, right? Yeah. And it gets them so excited for when that, like, if they've been invested in the whole process, then it's like, oh my God, the thing's finally here. Like, I've seen this, I kind of feel like I've been a part of the whole thing. Yeah. And now it's here. Um, so that's like a great way to sort of like build hype and get, you know, Definitely. get your products out there. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so how have you kind of felt about, growing a community on Twitch and is it different from like growing on Twitter or kind of the different things that you've already done? Yeah. So there's a few differences. Like one thing is like when I started on Twitch, I was like, I'm going to kick this thing's ass and like (laughs) got in there and like it is a slow growth platform and it's sold as a fast growth platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was the biggest thing that I've learned over my whole career about expectations is that your expectations Some people have imposter syndrome and they're like, Mm -hmm. no one is going to care about my work and that's wrong. And uh, being like, oh, everyone is going to care about my work and I'm going to grow super quickly is also wrong. (laughs) And there's a happy medium in the middle. And so like I found with Twitch that I didn't, I grew super fast at the beginning because I had an existing audience Mm -hmm. uh, that came over with me, which is amazing. Um, But in terms of organic growth, it's really limited. So it's all about the platforms that you have outside of Twitch. Mm -hmm. So Twitter, again, drives traffic to Twitch for me. So that's kind of how that works. Um, And yeah, if you don't already have that audience, it can be really slow going on Twitch to grow your audience. Um, And that's something that I think people should be aware of. Um, And the other thing is like parasocial kind of stuff with Twitch. People feel even more like they know you because you're talking to them while they're chatting with you in the chat. And I've kind of just started to think about how I need to frame how I talk and how I communicate and and what I say online and all that kind of stuff to have a healthy relationship with my audience Mm -hmm. because I do get DMs from people who kind of think that we're friends. And Mm -hmm. as much as I appreciate that they like me and think I'm a nice person, and I I think I am, I don't actually have the energy to spend all of that time with people. And I'm also quite introverted. Mm -hmm. Um, As much as I can be extroverted, I like to spend a lot of time alone at home. (laughs) And so to have strangers in my DM sending me photos of their kids or like asking me for lots of art advice and taking up a lot of my time, Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of reaching the point where I need to be like, like, hey, thanks for this message, but I don't have the capacity for this. Like, yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm really kind of just starting to dip my toes into figuring out how to do that in a way that doesn't alienate people. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, and I think Twitch is definitely the where that happens a lot. 
for yeah. streamers. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's, yeah, that balance of like, oh, I want to be friendly and I want people to feel like they know me, but yeah. I also need boundaries. In my yeah, life. totally. Yeah. I want to be friendly, but we're not friends. And yeah. as much as that's sucky to hear, you know, the people that you see and hear on the internet are not your friends. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't hang out with them or you don't have a personal relationship that, like, extends beyond watching their content, you, you're not friends. And mm-hmm. that's quite hard for some people. And I do get it. I've been there, especially yeah. when you're young. But, like, yeah, the goal is kind of, like, to help people feel like it's a safe and happy place for them to hang out. Yeah. But that I personally am maybe not on call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, I yeah. mean, that's definitely not going to scale when, you know, you have – like thousands and exactly tens of thousands of followers because we're believing that's going to happen hell yeah eventually um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know like there's no way you can reply no thousand like people or whatever yeah at the um, moment it's like two or three and like that's yeah. kind of fine but yeah i'm seeing how this could get problematic so yeah yeah for sure definitely I think it's like awesome that you're already thinking about like how do I how do I set these healthy boundaries and kind of um figure out that dynamic from the beginning rather than yeah getting to like yeah (laughs) all those people and now you're like well shit yeah exactly (laughs) now what do I do so yeah it's been a big topic of conversation about streamers on Twitter recently there's talking about the parasocial kind of concept and what that means and, and that kind of stuff uh, and I think it's really good that people are talking about it. And I didn't know about it until I read about it this yeah. week. So, yeah, that's kind of my new headspace that I'm kind of working in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great. People are talking about it. And then you can be like, oh, that's kind of – that explains what I kind of have been experiencing but didn't know. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> experiencing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If, like, there are people who are listening to this who are thinking about, like, starting streaming – because it's, you know, getting bigger, people are getting more into it. I think, as you were saying as well, there is kind of that perception that, oh, my God, I'm going to join and I'm going to get, like, I'm going to be the level of all these, like, Crazy, yeah, like, shroud and stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no, yeah. And the same thing happens on YouTube, right? People are like, I'm going to be this famous YouTuber and I'm going to start making videos and all of a sudden I'm going to be making millions. Um, But So people are going to be excited about kind of getting onto Twitch and starting this. Yeah. Um, So what would you kind of recommend as, like, what to focus on when you start kind of building your channel, branding your channel? Um, I think the main thing for me is like, don't spend a heap getting into it. It's really easy to get talked into buying like crazy gear um, and investing in crazy branding and all this stuff. And if you look at what a lot of people start with on Twitch, it's pretty minimal. Um, And a lot of people's brands are things they just did themselves. And most of them are not artists or designers. So the bar is fairly low. So -hmm. you don't need to go overboard. And I think that's that's the main piece of advice I have is I went a little bit overboard, but I'm also like mid-career and could kind of manage it. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a young person looking to get into streaming for art specifically, just get the basics. Like, don't worry too much, especially if you're doing digital art. It's really easy to get started with just, you know, the tools that you have at hand. Um, and that's kind of what I would recommend. And yeah, just setting your expectations reasonably. It's okay to stream to no one for a bit. Just pretend you're streaming to someone. It doesn't matter. People will stumble on your channel and they will find you. And if you're positive and, you know, doing your thing and and kicking ass, like, they will follow you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that thing of don't worry if you just have two viewers. Don't worry if you have four, you know. It's it's hard just to get above ten. Yeah. And and then that's kind of the thing that I think people need to, to be cognizant of is that the first few months can be a slog. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you stick with it and you build your social media presence and you remind people that you're streaming regularly, it will happen. It yeah. just takes a little bit. Totally. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the same thing happens with every social media, right? It's like, oh, I only have like 100 followers on Instagram. But if you yeah. thought about 100 people in a room that's pretty good to you, yeah. like, that's amazing. You yeah. like... 
you think about like, okay, I've got five people in the room with me who want to watch me do this thing. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like, anybody who engages with me during my whole stream, I'm just like, you're amazing. What like, I love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I sit for four hours and work on a drawing, and there's people who sit and watch me draw for four freaking hours. Wow. And I know they're doing other stuff, too, and that's great. Like, I'm totally happy to be somebody's, like, you know, pocket companion while they're drawing or doing work or whatever, you know? It's, yeah, it's, I think you can really get hung up on the idea of being, like, the main focus of somebody's, like, life and, like, having a huge audience and getting rich quick. And none of those things are realistic. And it's really important to not focus so much on the money with something like Twitch as much as when you read blog posts about, like, exponential growth. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. It's going to be so easy. And it's like, it really isn't, but it's a lot of fun. And I think that's the important thing is enjoying the journey. Slow growth is healthy growth. Like, fast growth is actually kind of scary for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, as much as it can be tempting to buy into the idea that, you know, just going viral and getting famous would be great, slow growth gives you much more time to decide what you really want to do, what you like doing, and just continuing to build on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. And, like, yeah, you have that small audience of Twitch followers. Like, you can create a really cool community with those that small audience. Yeah. And really get to know each other and kind of build it together. Yeah, we talk about the same stuff all the time. Like, we have, like, yeah, we pick up the same topics and, like, a bunch of us, like, kind of know the in-jokes and that's quite cute. And as the community grows, we kind of let go of some of those. But, like, it's just that nice feeling of familiarity that we all have with each other that's really nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, and so switching, I guess, back to kind of like your whole career yeah. <laughs> um, as an illustrator, what do you think has been kind of like the best part about branding your passion and sort of building this business? Um, I think it's the freedom of it, honestly. I think that's that's always been the main focus is finding my path that I want to walk as a human being. And that's kind of my spiritual journey that I'm on of like where I'm going with my art and where that's going to take me. Um, and having the freedom to pursue that has been the greatest gift of, of branding my passion, definitely. Yeah. Um, and just being like, look, I love this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Sorry about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, Try and stop me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, you know, like even as a kid, I was so abundantly aware of the fact that everybody feels pressured to cut corners and pick a job that they maybe don't want to make money. And not everybody has the privilege of being able to not do that. Mm-hmm. But if you can, you should, because it's your life and you get one. So it's really important to spend it doing what you love. Um, And sometimes that can be heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. stressful and horrible, but it always feels like it's worthwhile. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Every time I have like a stressful day at work or like, you know, money goes up and down or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I just remember I could be sitting in an office. Yeah, I know, I know. Could be sitting in a nine to five job, sitting at the same desk, doing the same, like pushing the same freaking pixels all yeah. day. Um, so it's yeah, definitely. Yeah, I already had to deal with annoying clients at my last job. Like the fact that I don't really have annoying, annoying clients anymore is yeah. like the greatest blessing. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah. So I love that. That's like yeah, the best part, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, what do you think has been the most challenging part, or kind of like a lesson that you've learned? along the way i think it's um it's been adapting to the ebbs and flows in both energy income just every time everything just kind of understanding that i'm the only person who's driving this like and so when i feel unproductive i need to take a break yeah and when i feel like 
I don't have enough money. Like that's just sometimes the way that it's, it is. And you have to plan for the future. There's so much adaptability that you need to have. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely the hardest thing to learn. And it, I definitely haven't mastered it yet. I've been doing this for five years. So yeah, yeah, I've learned not to like completely freak out if I don't make (laughs) much money in a month, um, because I know the next month will probably be better Mm -hmm. and it usually is, but um, just like the whole thing of like, oh, this one client who was supposed to pay me hasn't, it's been three months, like, oh my God, like all that kind of stuff. It takes time to get used to being assertive and with yourself and with your clients and being like, you know what? I need to take two weeks off this, yeah. this year in the middle of the year. <laughs> you know, I can't work during this time or, oh, you know what? I need to send that email to that person telling them that what they did wasn't okay. You know, like that kind of being your own boss stuff yeah. can be really hard. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And like, yeah, going back to that kind of like romantic notion of freelancing as a creative, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to create all day. And yeah. Like, but actually there are all those sort of like, business related yeah, things like, that we have to do like if I drew a pie chart of how much time I actually spend making art at the moment and I'm not happy with this I'm trying to get more <laughs> yeah. time yeah. um you know the the pie chart piece that would be art making is probably like 30 or 40 percent mm-hmm. of my time honestly and it needs yeah. to be more but also I'm trying to run a freaking business here so <laughs> you know I got to do the work um yeah. so there's there's a lot of that still and that's yeah. always going to be the tension with freelancing is especially when you care about what you do so yeah, yeah. for sure as like a one man one woman <laughs> yeah one, one whatever you identify as yeah. band like um yeah it is you have to juggle a lot of different jobs get an accountant <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so get, get someone to help you with your finances. Those kinds of things you can take off your plate, like, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I think that's the first thing that everybody should do as a freelancer yeah. is just have someone else deal with your money. <laughs> yeah, because it's, yeah. Yeah, totally. Or put it into Henry. Yeah, or exactly. Or something that's going to help yeah. you not have to worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, okay, awesome. So last question, what advice would you give to other creatives when it comes to branding their passion? Uh, don't sell yourself short. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are like, oh, people aren't going to like the thing that I like. So I'm going to do things that cater to my audience. And I'm not saying you shouldn't care about your audience, <laughs> but I'm saying don't do that at the expense of what you actually love. Because I see, I actually talked to a young artist this week who was like, I really want to make my own original content, but my Patreon is all fandom based. And mm-hmm. so my, I'm pretty much at like, she literally said, I'm a slave to my patrons. Aww. And so I can't make what I want. And when I do make it, no one cares about it. And I'm like, it's because you started with fandom. You gotta, you gotta go down the original content route. And like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. That's kind of the spiritual advice I would give is basically mm-hmm. like, don't sell your spirit out to like cater to the masses for success because it will not make you happy. And then on the practical side of things, start cheap, do things yourself for a bit, but be ready to hand off some of that stuff to some other human beings to help you free up your time because you are more powerful when you have time to spend on the things you love the most. For sure. And you get to support other cool creatives and other people along the way. Yeah. Pay other humans. It's good. Help us all survive. We're all doing the gig economy. Like we got to. Yeah, it does. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Okay, do you want to let the people know where they can find you and, like, what you've got going on right now that you want to promo to the people? Sure. Um, my online store is down at this exact moment, but it will be back up in a week or two. Yeah, when um, this goes live, it'll be up. Okay, sure. great. PepperRaccoon.com <laughs> is my store, um, and I have a whole bunch of information about personal and commercial commissions on there, as well as all my products. Uh, I stream on twitch.tv slash Pepper Raccoon. So just Google Pepper Raccoon Twitch and I'll pop up. Same thing on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. So I'm, I'm everywhere. everywhere. 
<laughs> the omnipresent Pippa record. Hell yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I obviously love talking to you on the regular anyway, <laughs> but um, I'm just super excited to everybody else to be able to hear your story and hear your experience as an illustrator. So thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. And I hope that was helpful. For sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Brand Your Passion and choosing to spend some time with me learning about branding, business, and all things creativity. You can find more episodes just like this one at blackandwhitestudios.nz forward slash brandyourpassion. If you liked this one, you can tap that subscribe button so that you're notified about every new episode. And if you've got a spare second, I would love it if you could leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. I would love to hear from you and hear about how you're enjoying the podcast. If there were some helpful goodies in this episode for you, it would mean the world to me if you could screenshot your podcast player on your phone right now, hop over to Instagram or Twitter and tag me at Black and White Studios. That's at B-L-C-K-W-H-T Studios. By subscribing and reviewing and sharing, you're helping me to reach more creators just like you so that together we can make the world a more creative place, one brand at a time. I really can't achieve this mission without you, so your support means the world. I'll talk to you in the next episode, but until then, keep creating.